Middle cough. Hey, hey. Here we go, John. Recording this podcast on a uh, Thursday afternoon. And uh, don't forget, there'll be another mailbag coming out on Friday. We are live on YouTube, as we always are. And uh, also in your podcast feed, wherever you get it, we appreciate it. You can uh, click in the podcast description if you want to get to the YouTube channel. If you're in the YouTube channel, the podcast link is below in that description as well. So you can find us both places. We've done a lot of content this week, guy. We've done extra podcasts because a football coach got fired on uh, Monday Night Football. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, and of course, like you said, the mailbag. So you can just leave us a review, leave us a question. And um, and yeah, we appreciate everyone listening. Tell your friends, grassroots. And if you saw on Instagram, we think a guy got into a fight wearing our uh, our ham hat. Oh, yeah. You got it's uh, you sent it to me. So someone DM. I didn't find it. Someone DM that to me and said, is that like kind of LOL? It kind of looks like your hat. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. If you're watching on YouTube, here's the hat. Yeah, you can go to either one of our Instagram accounts. None of like. The dude had a hat on, was getting into a fight at a bar. Right before he's about to like go Tyson Fury, oh, he, he flips it. the hat around, and where the camera is is the guy's back, and you could see it. Now, you know, the designer, also known as Guy Haberman, you just stole that from the 49er hat, so that could be a 49er hat. That's why well, we like, call it the Shanahan hat, because <laughs> yeah. it's the hat that Kyle Shanahan wore all last He might year. need to bring that back. Like, he was much better with that hat than his new hat repertoire. He went hatless, indoor Cardinals, Chip Kelly, visor, worked, then didn't. You're right. Yeah, you know, I do that. You know, Rory goes hatless in Ryder Cups. I, you know, I, I like to just stick with, you know, the field. Better to wear no hat than that junk they put on your head in the Ryder Cup. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, not the Ryder Cup. The, the Olympic hats were bad. The, the, Ryder the Cup Olympic hats, hats were bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, they were bad. The suits they make you wear at the Ryder Cup, different conversation. I kind of made fun of the old school jacket, and I was uh, have some old older jackets in my. Uh, you had a nice jacket on uh, Pac-12 Media Day. I have a jacket. It was on ESPNU, John. Yeah, well, I uh, I have a couple older jackets. Sometimes, like, you look at it, like, five years ago, I'm like, this jacket looks terrible. And then you look at it a couple back. years later, it goes back into style. What's the most amount of money you've ever paid for a sports coat? I don't know. I don't think I – oh, I got a – I remember I did a – I got, like, a, a jacket. Just just the jacket was, like – I think 350 bucks. Yeah. Probably about my 400, 400 bucks. bucks. Yeah. You know, but I had to get it altered. So it probably ends up at like 500 bucks. Yeah. But, um, all right. Good we got job. a lot to get to middle cough, we a do. lot to get to. Don't forget you go to mail the iTunes page, leave us a review that helps us out. Mailbag question in that. That's how you get in the mailbag or go to the Facebook page, but in that, leave us your favorite bar, leave us your favorite bar. Hey, send us pictures of you and your Tito's. We appreciate that. We actually got a mailbag question that included Tito's. That'll be coming up on Friday's mailbag, John. Tito's Handmade Vodka, number one vodka in America. Thank you for your sponsorship. Yeah, it's Tito's Thursday, baby. They sponsor the podcast. They sponsor the YouTube channel. Uh, and we're glad to have them. We're lucky to have them. And we are lucky to be consumers of Tito's. So have yourself a Tito's this weekend. Go to your local liquor store. You're a local Safeway. You're local if you're living in Florida or Publix. You might see Jameis there. Actually, if you're, if you're in New York, John, go to your bodega. Your bodega. Go to wherever you have to go to get yourself Tito's, and you'll notice once you go in there, it is number one selling vodka in America, number one spirit. It's, it's price point's incredible. It, it really is. It is hard to beat the price point, and then it's hard to beat when you pour it into your cocktail, and maybe you go with a, a vodka crayon. Maybe you go with a vodka soda. Maybe you go with a John Daly. You go, God, this tastes good. Because Why? They uh, distill that bad boy in what? What kind of pots, guy? 
Copper pots, John. Copper pots. Copper pots. And, you know, I'm not following the commodity market, but I saw com- I saw copper. Actually, no, silver, not copper. But aluminum? Uh, How's aluminum doing? Yeah, it's probably doing well, you know. So uh, copper pots taste good. No gluten-free. No Not columns, John. They don't do them in the, co- in the columns. They do them in the pots. <laughs> My sleep number is Tito's. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> That's a good comment. That's a good comment, Mike. <laughs> That's a good one. You need to sleep, guy. You need to sleep. Uh, we can help. Uh, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. I, look, it's it's Thursday. It's a Tito's Thursday. Uh, word on the street is in the Haberman house, there's going to be a penne a la vodka, which is a pasta dish that uses vodka with oh. Tito's in it. How much did you contribute to that? Uh, it wasn't even my idea. So zero. <laughs> I Can't even say I contributed the idea. But Thursday night, if you're that. listening to this Friday or watching it Friday, we have already we know what happened in the Dodgers-Giants game. Crazy. The Giants mercy ruled them in seven innings. Never heard of that. <laughs> Who would have thought? God, I mean, Gabe Kapo, John, just whoop, 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 whoop. He did right well buttons. the other night. I'll give him his flowers. He did well. Game three was a masterclass. Even if Farhan was giving him tips, I, I give I give old Cap the credit. Uh, but anyway, send us the pictures. Have some fun Thursday night. Have some from Friday night. Have some from Saturday, Sunday, every day of the week. But no matter how you do it, remember, Tito's is crafted to be savored responsibly. It's distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Whoop, whoop. Podcast also brought to you by mybookie.ag, promo code ham and the number one. We will be uh we'll be doing our lock of the week at the a uh, lock of the week at the end of the podcast today. We'll give you the pick. But right now, don't forget, John, mybookie.ag, promo code ham and the number one. Yep, mybookie.ag, promo code ham one. Get your gamble on. College football, uh, huge slate. Actually, Oregon, you said plays Friday night, a little Oregon Cal. That's right. Uh, that game in Eugene. Be a tough game in, U- for, in Eugene, 13 and a half. Be a tough game for the Bears, especially with DeRuiter dialing up the defense. And then we got a full day Saturday, and then we got a full day Sunday, and then we even got a Monday night game. Uh, I kind of like Seattle Seahawks uh, Sunday night. Everyone's going to be fading old Geno, and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger can't really move. That that number could – what's it at, five? Five. Keep an eye on that thing. It could get up to six. I think people are going to be hammering the Steelers. I might fade old Pittsburgh and take Seattle – so uh, mybookie.ag, promo code AM1, get your gamble on. You can live bet baseball. Obviously, we're almost, you know, we're doing this before the Giants game, but the NL and ALCS is starting. You have, uh, you can live bet golf. Maverick McNeely, 300 today, no big deal. So uh, mm-hmm. keep an eye on it all. Where's he on the leaderboard as of recording? Well, this guy that I've never heard of shot like 17 under. So uh, you always have that guy that shoots like 62 on, you know, on, uh, on Thursday. Yeah. Like, who's Robert Streb? Like, ah, he's pretty good at golf, but I've never heard of him. All right. So. Yeah, by the way, you know what I learned? Uh, I was talking to my buddy Evan Moore the other day. He was on the field. You remember the uh, fail Mary play with the uh, replacement refs? The Seahawks-Packers Monday night game. Golden Tate makes the catch. The refs don't know what to do in the end zone. Yeah, didn't one guy go up and the other guy goes this way? Well, they. Bo- I watched it again today. They both, yeah, it was It was awful. Apparently, was it a catch or no? Uh, well, it was shared. Remember, it was the Packer guy and Golden Tate were both holding on to the football at the same does time. Does the tie go to the offensive player? It's supposed does- to, but the Packers guy had like the whole football. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he told me that the play call, it was Russ's rookie year. The play call was wrong. The formation was wrong. The protection was wrong. And they lined up because the play call was, I mean, the play call, was, it was supposed to be Hail Mary, but he screwed up the protection and the side. It was supposed to be trips left, not trips right. Because he threw a Hail Mary to the side of the field with one guy on it. Mm-hmm. And the protection was wrong. Did ultimately Seattle win that game? Like, did they give a touchdown to Seattle? I think Seattle got the touchdown, yeah. And then how the long? I, came back. Honestly, if you would have said, do you remember the repl- replacement ref play on Monday Night Football? I'd say yes. 
I would have guessed that it was like a 10 yard play. I didn't, I didn't know it was a hail Mary. Yeah. Deep like I mean, a, I don't like think a, it was like a 60 yard throw, but, but it, it was, was like 30. They called yards. the play that you call for the uh, hail Mary. Gotcha. I just remember the ref, the two refs, black guy, white guy, the white guy showed up at like a row nightclub in Fresno later that week. It was a big story in Fresno. <laughs> The best part about the replacement refs was the next day, the real refs, they ended the strike, right? <laughs> like, deal, it's on. We'll capitulate to all your demands. Come back. And their demands, I don't even know what their demands were. No, were I, their demands? I, the NFL, just like their ego, they refused to crack. That, for you say, they're never pressured by outside noise. That did do them in. Yeah, they're like, we don't care how it looks, except they can't look like that. <laughs> what in a fairness, mess. like that was a crazy play. What? What are you supposed to call there? They both got it. Yeah, guy goes the offensive player, I guess. I, didn't, yeah, but I it, don't even know what to do. But you're right. It was you can't have one guy doing this, one guy doing this, and th- and then remember they were so confused. They did not know how to handle it. That's no. That's part of any. We'll get to this. Things are going to happen bad. Do you handle it? Yeah. Do you handle it well? That's what's going to happen. You're well, going to screw it, up. In my twenties and and before, when I lost my keys or my wallet and I couldn't find them after five minutes, I would go on a tear. And that would mean ripping couches, screaming out loud, and I would get very, very angry. Now, I still lose my keys in my wallet. I just take a deep breath, and we just eventually find them. Even if it takes 10, 15, 20 minutes. But in my heyday, in my teens, through college, and probably even early 20s, mental breakdown, not finding the keys. I mean, that nothing. And I repeat, nothing I would get. Because you're like, where could they possibly be? But now it's like, it's whatever, I'm going to find them. I got to tell you, I, I lose my wallet or my keys multiple times a week. Yeah, me too. I lost my keys yesterday. They were in the other car. <laughs> Do you freak out when that happens? It's happened so many times to me that I know if I just keep wandering around, eventually I'll stumble into them, which is what I do. I just like retrace my steps 12 times. I need I need those little trackers on everything. You know, Apple makes yeah. those little, tra- I mean, I guess probably yeah. other people do, but. I've seen the Apple ones. And I, but the problem is I need them on things that like don't have a place for them to go on. Truly. Like it's, it's a, it's a, I think I'm going to be a pretty, if I'm blessed enough to get to old age, a problematic old man. I agree. And most of the stuff, (laughs) can you imagine too, if like you hit it pretty big and you are in a massive home, how much shit you would lose? That's part of it. I, yeah, that's absolutely (laughs) everything. I I would have two of everything, John, or like as many doors and levels to the house I have, I'd have, that pair of shoes get two of them put one at each door i agree i lose shoes a lot and i mean i got bro you know 1200 square feet you know it's like where where could where is my right nike i'll look down it'll be in a weird spot this doesn't happen all the time but like once or twice a month i'll look down and i'm wearing one sock i don't know where the other one is i had a moment i had my uh late you better you buy a lazy boy right you basically get repairs for life or you you get a certain warranty and then you get the ability to like have someone come fix your stuff. And it's really yeah. not that expensive. And the guy came over and it's backlogged because the supply chain in America is all fucked up. So I've been waiting chain. two months. The, the only thing that was messed up on my lazy boy was on each side of the couch is they pop up and they a- operate like they would a, a recliner, right? So you have two recliners on a three person couch. It's a pretty sweet couch. And one of them ripped. And they sent me the new thing. And I've been waiting forever. I thought there was going to be all these repairs. And the guy comes and looks. He's like, this is it? He's like, because he walks in the door. He's like, it's been a long day, man. I just 
Let's just, I get this one. I get to go home and see my wife. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think this is too crazy, but I had all these parts they had sent me. And he looks at it. He's like, is this it? I'm like, yeah, this is the problem. I swore to God it took him under two minutes. He's like, this is the easiest thing I've had in months. And I'm like, I probably could have done that myself. He's like, yeah, pretty easily. <laughs> and then I just say, hey, man, you want a water? He didn't want one, and he left. Your job is not to know the product, John. All right, let's yeah. dive in, John. Here's what we know. We know Trey Lance. We know football. That's what we talk about. Some people have been debating how well we know it this week, but that's fine. That's fun. We've been having a good time with it. So let's start. I want to show you something that uh, I know you saw. Maybe you people read this from The Athletic. I'm just Barrows. doing a little, re- re- little reading, guy. You know, getting the Pistons upstairs, a little intellectual uh a little practice. I like a good Barrows read, John. A good Barrows read is a good read. And this is what he wrote. Trey Lance's 3.1 second score. And what he's talking about here is the time from uh, snap, uh, snap to, to pass yeah. is the slowest of any quarterback in the league this year. PFF uses a similar stat. It agrees that Lance has been the most sluggish of any passer with a significant number of snaps. It's notable that fellow rookies Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence are in the bottom 10 as well. Jimmy Garoppolo at 2.56 is the fourth fastest and then for those of you um, who aren't seeing this there's also a graphic fastest snap to pass ben roethlisberger andy dalton tom brady jimmy garoppolo Dak prescott i think we can all agree before we dive into this this is just a thing that's a part of a larger discussion this is not the larger discussion and you need to look no further than the list that has roethlisberger dalton brady and garoppolo right in the top four taking a macro view you know i I think we kind of cavalierly throw numbers out when it comes to the combine and draft 40 times, right? Stats like this, you know, this is, this is very new age, which is cool. Like I, I stumble upon it. I don't even know. I know next gen stats exist. I don't really know where to find it. Nextgenstats.com is that, is it open? Do I got to pay for it? I don't know, but like, it's fascinating. But when you say Trey Lance was 3.12 and the fastest in the league is like, or Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the fastest in the league at point. Five six. You just say that out loud to a common guy on the street. It doesn't sound that far away. Wait, you're talking seconds? So one guy's three point one seconds. The other guy's two point five seconds. Like that's one one. That's it. It's that's the difference, right? You know, one miss. It's out, right? But that's the difference when we talk. Flash boys, John. Flash boys. Forty times, right? Wall Street trading milliseconds. Yeah, between a uh, corner that runs a four four eight. And a guy that runs a four five eight. That's the difference. Like I feel good about taking one guy in the second round. The other guy wouldn't touch till the fifth, just based off a tenth of a second. And I think that the the difference is, and it's truly the speed of football. It doesn't do it justice when even when we're watching it on TV, right? I had a yeah. friend in the NFL who uh, he was picking my brain about something and forwarded me a clip of like he's at the office or might have been at home and he was watching the all 22 tape and it does feel in the all 22 like the way we watch it now right when we watch a condensed game you know I, I got the broadcasters in the back it's it's a looser feel it's it's very just nuts and bolts the all 22 there is no sound it's like a it's a silent fucking movie and it does feel faster or slower given what you're watching and when you watch the a game it doesn't always feel that way. Like I knew I could tell Trey Lance was slow to get the ball out, but it's, I, I couldn't quantify it into seconds. And that to me really shows like you are talking now, part of it. If, if you ever have a couple quick screens, right, it's going to inflate the number fast. Cause it's basically one, two, it's gone, right? It's probably under a second out of your hand. So it's, you know, there are variables. I think we'd have to look at it over a whole season. Obviously Trey's only started one game, but it just shows you, like, we are not talking 
the the incremental difference at the highest level of pro sports, but specifically playing quarterback, we're talking small stuff. Right now, obviously we go, Jimmy Garoppolo, what's he hangs out on? A quick release. And that yes, you know, that uh quantifies it and that confirms what we believe really does, right? Like him and Tom, same type deal. Well, they they learned in the same deal. They understand the mindset of getting rid of the ball. Obviously, Tom, it feels like is much better of a deep ball. I mean, Tom's Tom Brady. But it, it just it also shows you that what a lot of people thought we were being too harsh on the kid which I, I don't think we were. We were just taking the game in a vacuum because Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are also great examples of this. It is very, very difficult to do this, man. It, it really is. And I was the guy I was talking to, we were talking about Vic Fangio, who he's worked with before, and he's like, I, I can't really explain to you how smart that motherfucker is, but he's a genius. Like his knowledge of football, because I was like, does he know offense well? He's like, yeah, he knows offense really well. Not to necessarily like coach up a quarterback, but his understanding of offensive schemes. And and most weeks you are facing either a really good coordinator, really good players, sometimes both. Like I, we'll talk about John Lynch on Trey Lance. One thing, uh, I think he was on KNBR and I, I was in the car actually going to pick up dinner and Larry Kruger was like, God, John uh, McGlinchey sure had a shitty game. What'd you think about that? And, J- and J- I mean, he did. He didn't play that well. But one thing Lynch said was like, you know, he's playing J.J. Watt who is not just playing at one of the highest levels, but he's probably, in terms of intellect, one of the smarter football players defensively in the league. So every week you are getting these high-level guys, and it just, why the improvement with rookie quarterbacks is hard. Like, it's, it's, you could argue it's not even fair for any of these guys what's asked of them to play. My whole take to play these guys right away is so they learn for the future. So it's like, by the time you get them in the second and third year, like Lamar and Josh, they have all these swings under their belt and they're much more comfortable coming up to the plate, right? It's an impossible, 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 impossible thing to simulate. And make no mistake, we're well aware that that was his first start. So the question is, if you have to win games between now and his fourth year, or now and his third year, or now and 2022 with Trey Lance, How do you do it? And I would say him being healthy enough to start against the Colts. And then we could have a conversation if he's healthy enough, if they make the decision to do it, but him being healthy enough is a, it's a critical potential development week, not just for him, but for Kyle Shanahan to figure out if he's my quarterback, how do I help him with this specific thing that we're talking about right now, getting rid of the ball faster. And we could debate, us and we could get 12 quarterback gurus on here and we could all talk about his throwing motion and his mechanics. But I think what everyone would agree is that you're not it it, for those who go like, yeah, it's probably a little bit of a problem. And those who go, it's a big problem. And some people might go, it's not a problem at all that it's not going to change between now and the Colts game. Right. Would you agree with that? Well, Wilson and and Trevor have been playing the whole time and it's still slow. Right. So but I'm talking about the first, the physical mechanics. Right. I think we oh, could all agree. Oh, that's you're, oh you're talking just that, yeah, whatever. Yeah, some yeah, people think it's not a problem. Some people think it is a problem, a fixable problem, but whatever. So this is, I go back to what I've been saying for two weeks about him now. Like that number doesn't surprise anybody. It certainly doesn't surprise you or me. No. What do you do? If you can't speed up the physical, then you speed up the mental, which means you, you do less. You ask him to do less. You start there and then you build up from there. The history of great quarterbacks just on some level 
Even guys that weren't running like Cam Newton were asked to do less and then slowly asked to do more. Guys you've heard of, like uh, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, were asked to do less and then asked to do more and then do more and do more to the point that now you're not asking them to do anything. You're just letting them go do what they do. Wasn't your uh, your fail Mary example, Evan, you said Evan Moore was on that team? He was on the field, Seattle yeah. Uh, part, you know, Russell making the wrong, like he made wrong year. play calls and stuff. Yeah, just and he's become a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and he's on a team with good players, and they and they adjusted. Like, they knew what to do. He stayed in the block, even though the protection didn't say it. Golden Tate yelled, I got this, and then he went and got it. So, yeah. But, but, but here's the big picture thing with this Niner team. I would say, even this year, let's say they miss the playoffs. They go 8-9, but Trey keeps getting better. The number one part of drafting the rookie quarterback was to really take advantage of your team if that guy becomes good those couple years. It's not like, well, they just get to ease into it the next couple years. No, that's bullshit. And I'm not saying anyone's saying that, but there is a ton of pressure, I would say, year one still because their their goal is still to make the playoffs. And two and three will be because his rookie contract, he's making like six, seven million dollars, right? Until hopefully he gets good enough to make a lot of money. But you're trying to take advantage of what Josh Allen did, what Lamar did, what they're doing with Baker right now, building a really good team. Part of building a really good team is you need the quarterback to, at minimum, be like Baker Mayfield. Ideally, you want him to be Herbert, Lamar, one of those guys, so you can spend all this extra money that you're saving on his cash, right? Right. So you need him to be like the learning curve, even next year. Let's say he slowly keeps improving, which I think that's pressure on Kyle to make sure he does that on top of him, but it's really Kyle's going to take a lot of heat. It's really just for the immediate future, given, I would say, the next three seasons, right? This year, 22-23. Those years are enormous. Like, part of, like, if the Chargers make the playoffs this year, it would feel very, like, you've had this great quarterback, now you have a playoff team, right? That's You want to do that when these guys aren't making very much money. That's what feels like the Dolphins. They just fucked it all up. Like, it's just, it's just a waste. It's just a complete waste. And then, and then the difference for the Niners than like the Chargers or even Lamar, like they did, they paid a lot for this, a lot, because they gave extra picks, right? There are two reasons not to play a young guy right away, John. One is you've got a starting quarterback that's better than him and your team is trying to win now. Like Which is bet- rare for high first round picks. It's rare, right? But Alex Smith, is he better than Patrick Mahomes? No they made the judgment that he gave them a better chance to win right then that year. And they won a bunch of games. Now, I guess with hindsight, you go, well, maybe Mahomes could have, could have gone a little further. They maybe did, they won did, less they did host, they hosted a playoff game. That maybe would have won, won less games in the regular season, but one more in the postseason, Right. I think you could yeah. make that case. But anyway, that's the first reason that you don't play your young top five level quarterback. Right. The other reason is because you're afraid that the experience will scar him. Like there's a difference between not being ready to win as a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and not being ready emotionally to handle what comes with failing as an NFL quarterback, the inevitable failing that comes with it. Right. And like, I I think we saw last year, Herbert was probably both ready to win and definitely emotionally ready to fail because he played well enough to win, but they failed and he came back better. So and by the and by the end check, of the season, that box. everyone acted like they won three games. Well, they went seven and nine because they started winning games at the end. And they actually right? could have won more games, but they were mismanaging multiple games with the clock. Yeah, and their kicker sucked. And their kicker sucked. So I, I can say 
I, there's no way to be totally confident about this, but I can say pretty confidently, I'm not too concerned about Trey Lance being scarred from what we've seen just as him as a, from what we've seen from him as a competitor to this point. There are physical gifts that will help him make up for some of the things he doesn't quite know how to do yet or see. But as it relates to getting rid of the football, like I think part of that is instructing him to get rid of the football faster by giving him less options. Now, it does get a little scary because I don't know how many times a game he can run and maintain playing a whole season. That's we're seeing it now. Potentially. Lamar and that's Kyler do it. I mean, it's part of like if that's well, going to be your Ky- package. Kyler does kind of wear down. Lamar's better at it. Yeah, you just need to learn to keep avoiding hits and slide. But the problem when you're diving fed first and you're running between the guards, you know, it's 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 a risky proposition because it is one thing that he does bring to the table immediately and it works. Right, yeah, right. yeah. I, I to me, I'm just trying is, to speed up the. I'm just trying to speed up the time to throw by giving him less to do. Which means, is it there? Well, is it there? Well, well, to me, that's that's handing it to running backs. That yeah. helps if you can. Well, there is a run a good run point. the ball. If you can run the ball, then then maybe you can get away with a slower time to throw because you have more time to throw. Like he didn't have in his defense, it was a double whammy because he takes a lot of time to throw and the pocket wasn't always ideal. Well, I mean, the right side of their line is going to be questionable against good defensive lines. You know, they have McGlinchey's going to struggle against the elite guys. That's clear. He's not bad, but he's Especially just going to struggle pick. against a higher end guy. Although I. I saw some and numbers br- have been a little better in that regard. And and, and Brun just JJ Watt ate his lunch. Otherwise, he's been solid. And Brun's skill is just they drafted a second round guard. The problem is, and I think Barrows wrote this in the article, they're using uh the scout team to improve Aaron Banks, which, you know, just there he's on scout team trying to get in shape. Like he, Kyle's like a lot of teams run the zone stuff and just get him comfortable doing this. It's just gonna make him a better player, which is true, but you draft a second round guard. And the guard that you drafted, the position you drafted him to play, that guy's not very good. And in fairness to Brunskill, like he's an AAF level player. He has been more than adamant, or I mean, like more adequate. than ser- adequate and serviceable given where you got him, right? He has, that's found money just him being able to do that. But they drafted a guy that high for a reason. So it's like, you need that guy. Like that's, that's a ding on them, right? Like I'm not dinging them on Trey Lance's like not being ready. Like we all knew that, but to me, like that. No, and would play him. Yeah, the second he was, and he was clearly ready enough. Like Aaron Banks can't even dress on game days when the right guard is not very good. That to me is like God. Well, same, same with the same with Ambry Thomas. Now I know we can we'll talk about we can talk about corner. I mean, it's been to better me, though than, are a little weirder when you say, I mean, an offensive well, line player development style, you mean, yeah, it's just, it's a little, it's just, it's the jump is so big as a, as a yeah, guard. That's true. I would say guard and center should be, and this is, you know, the Jeff Schwartz of the world will hit me and be like, you know, historically it used to, offensive linemen used to get a lot of time. Like, you know, same with quarterbacks. Like it used to, you get a year to, that's just, but that's the reality. I heard Rogers was saying like, because they have a bunch of injuries, like John Runyon Jr., like undrafted free agents and shit are playing immediately for their offensive line and doing okay. John Runyon Jr.? Yeah, he... Well, John Runyon, the guy that played for the Eagles. Yeah, I right? remember him. His son played at Michigan, and then he's now on the Packers. Well, they had a bunch of injuries, and he's now playing for them at guard. That's cool, man. I know it is. Brian on the uh, live stream says, Trey will be fine, but throwing 40 times a game is just too much to ask for him right now. Ben and Russell threw 20 to 25 times. Let the run game work. <laughs> fix that the right side of the line. Trey will grow. I think the game's changed a little bit, though, where passes, it's a little different. And some of these passes now, you know, I, I saw Sirianni 
or someone was defending Sirianni in the Eagles organization. It might have been Sirianni. It just acted like, hey, when we throw a quick screen to, you know, Jalen Rager, it's one of those wham bam things. We can that's a run play. Because Andy Reid's whole thing was like screens to running backs and quick screens to wide receivers. We view that as a run. Like that is not something on the quarterback. There's no decision to make. Right? If I call a quick screen, however you want to, you know, qualify if it's a breakout screen, a wide receiver screen, whatever. They some of them look different, but if it's just snap, throw it to that guy, there is no like processing. Like the play is called in the huddle. It's no different in handing it off. Same as a uh as a running back screen. Now, if it doesn't work, you just throw it at their feet. But there is nothing to think about. You just well, you got to hit Debo in stride, though. Well, yeah, he misses the throw. It's not that that throw is not that easy, right? I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's just. I wouldn't call that a layup throw for a guy making his first start. No, I yeah, absolutely. I would say you go you go back and look at the throw, his first throw, throw two weeks ago when he came in for Garoppolo. Ah, well, uh, his first throw to use check. Oh, oh, you're talking uh, the game. The ball in the flat. Yeah, you're, t- you're talking about the, the previous game. Yeah, when he came in for Jimmy in the second half. Yeah. Was it was his first throw? It was. The the ball in the flat that was it to use check's feet? Yeah, I think his first series they didn't a really throw. bad throw. They did not right. throw in the first series, four run yeah. plays. But I th- I think the se- you remember the throw it, I'm talking it, about? It was either to use check or Kittle, and it was, it was like a, uh it was bad. Yeah. It was yeah. turf monster. So there's no such I mean, you're making your first NFL start. Things are going a million miles an hour. I'm sure the play clock is flying. That's why they don't have a lot of timeouts at the end of the game sometimes. I think that's going to be to I'm going to expect that. Lynch mentioned that he thought the Arizona clock monitor was uh was a little quick on the trigger. So they were starting the clock early? Yeah, he just thought that the 40 second he's just uh, some shenanigans were going on. I don't know. Interesting. You got to keep an eye on the clock the clock monitors. Although you told me, you know, Ole Miss almost got screwed by their own guy. Yeah. Tough job cuz you got to stay really focused and let's face it, most humans we just kind of doze off. I don't know why, why is it not just I th- uh, yeah, I guess it's probably a lot going on on the field. For the, it's not like the NBA refs that just run and t- touch the clock. You know, well, they the refs control can, the clock. They can like do the shot clock. I think they can do something. I don't think they control the clock, but they can do something. Got you. I thought maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, um, I think he's got to get back on the field this week. Like that number. I'm not saying that number will get to the top ten, but that number will get better as the year goes on. By the way, that the Tom Brady being oops, next thing, wrong thing. Tom Brady being fourth on that, like to be able to get rid of the ball that quickly and also throw the deep ball, you know, like it was always like Breeze was the best at this. It's like, yeah, Breeze is just getting it out as quickly as possible. I saw Fournette was like uh, yesterday, maybe he talked to the media and they he said that uh, he's like, I, I told Richard when he first got here, I'm like, bro, this team's loaded. And I guess after like the first week, Sherman goes up to him. He's like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of talent on this team. And it's not, and Richard's been on, right? Multiple Super Bowl teams, multiple different organizations. Like that team, and especially for him, it's like wide receiver DBs, one on ones. Like, who do you want? Uh, Mike Evans, Godwin, or uh, this other guy, Antonio Brown, that had one of the greatest six year stretches in NFL history. That's, you know, and Tom throwing him the ball. Say what you want about like Lenny. Don't get stuck on Gronk. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, uh, the, well, how about Cameron Bright? I mean, they, they just have a lot of like, damn, just a lot of dudes on that squad. And meanwhile, you know, Fournette came from the Jags, and he's like, "Hey, Richard, let me let me give you a little lesson here, Richard, about the way we do things here in Tampa." <laughs> oh, he didn't go to LSU. He didn't go to LSU. Yeah, he's a top but, five pick. Yeah. Okay. Harrowing wisdom on the uh, stream. John asked a question. Have you guys talked about John Lynch quotes on Ayuk? 
What what the uh, WTF is that about? LOL. They about to trade this guy. Let's talk about these quotes. Uh, so here is 49ers web zone um, collected the quotes, transcribed them. This is what John Lynch said on KNBR about Brandon Ayuk, a very talented young man, and he's a hard worker as well. I think we've gone to great lengths to kind of explain what the predicament is right now. But the bottom line is we each have to find a way. I'm talking about we as a team and Brandon as a player, because for us to get where we want – we need his talent and abilities on the field. He went on to say, having said that, I think it's important you earn your opportunities and you do that during the week. It's not that Brandon is not working hard. It's for whatever reason, he hasn't made the strides we expect him to. We probably hold him to a higher standard because he's got so much in his body. It's important for a team to see people earn those opportunities. So he's kind of talking, listen, I like John Lynch. Uh, I think he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth in fairness because he's somewhat trying to protect the player. And I, I'm going to push back and saying I don't think they've done a very good job explaining it at all. Now, ultimately, is it their job to explain? No, it's not. But when you have a young, highly drafted player who was very productive as a rookie and who's clearly really talented, you, you can't just be like, well, he's kind of banged up. And then the game starts and Travis Benjamin is out there before him. Like, and but I he understand. also still plays and still gets to make some plays. Yeah, and he still is allowed to play a little bit, but them saying that like we've done a good job of explaining, I'm going to say no, you haven't. Now, if it is simple as they would, if they were to leak out through whoever they would do that and write a, not a scathing article, but just what their issues with why he hasn't playing, that would be a risk of then crushing him publicly, and they don't want to do that. The problem, though, is we don't understand. Because of his trade value? No, because like I'm they're not going to trade him, but it, it is. <laughs> I I mean, you never. <laughs> I wouldn't put a pass on Kyle. You know, but here's the thing, though, guy. Like I, the fans, they just want to know, like, well, what? What do you mean he's not working hard? Like he doesn't practice that hard. He's not running out through the end zone in every play like Jerry Rice, or is he showing up late every day? Is he not paying attention in the meetings? Is he a terrible practice player? Because the reality is, I say this all the time. I, I said this about yesterday on Twitter about Schefter. The consumer doesn't care. The consumer does not give a fuck about practice. They only want to see the guy play. Now, if he's doing something insane, like when Antonio Brown, it started getting weird. Well, his feet were burned off, and then he stopped showing up, right? there was It was like, okay, and then the Raiders just started letting everyone know, and I think a lot of people were like, yeah, if I was the Raiders, I'd probably get rid of him too. Like, everyone had their back. This one, they're not telling anyone that he, like, you know, he refuses to look Kyle Shanahan in the face and he spits on his feet. I don't know, but it was like, you can't just be like, well, he's rehabbing from a hammy injury. Fans and just normal humans do not understand. I, I know this. And I, not, I mean, I know a couple people in there. I wouldn't ask about this because I wouldn't get the answer. I, I'm at a loss. I, I don't get it. I, I don't. And I, I, I do think it's probably innocuous is the wrong word, but like something probably a little more trivial given their, I think he kind of said it, their high standards, that like, is he just not working quite hard enough? You know, is it one of those? Because, or, because I don't think he's like some bad guy or not showing up or whatever. It just could be something like, yeah, he doesn't practice hard as like Kittle and Fred Warner. Well, it's like, I, I, fans do not care, guy. And you're losing. What Like, you're, it's not working. Well, and the thing that makes it harder is he, unlike Dante Pettis, he does show up at least, twice in each of these games to make a critical play. So um, I think the Steelers are a great example of uh, an organization. And we don't know what it was like behind the scenes. We know some of the stories with Antonio Brown, 
but the Steelers clearly held Antonio Brown to the standard of as long as you're great on the field, we're going to deal with the other stuff and maintained a strong organizational culture under Mike Tomlin. Ideally, you don't have to deal with some of the stuff you deal with with Antonio. He didn't uh, get we- he didn't get really weird though until he like had put in several years of being a Yeah, but player. I I think there's I think it's I think it's probable that it was weirder behind the scenes than we ever got to know. I I think he was a little lower key, at least like his first breakout season, maybe. But yeah, it, I think it was probably right. weird for a long time. But he had been producing at the highest of high levels. Like ideally, you practice really hard and you play really hard and you produce in games and you're perfect. Because didn't he throw you, a ball at Ben and storm out of practice? Yeah, like his last year there. And they had didn't they have something on the sideline too? But guy, I've seen it when I was in Philly. So, Deshaun Jackson kicked the ball over the fence, and Andy Reid suspended him the next game. Now, to, now you know it suspended him the next day. I mean, it's suspended him for a game, and he was on his phone during practice, and he wouldn't respond to David Culley. And they were, yeah, friends. I mean, that's that's an extreme. Uh, my point is, you can also earn it on the field. You're just saying now, you're so good, it doesn't matter. Like you just dominate. There are th- those guys exist. Now, is he that good right now? I think part of it clearly is they want him to become greater than either he is or he's willing to work to be. But I don't, I, it's very frustrating that they won't say, I do respect operating that way. I do think it gives you the, it better work guy. It better. Well, I mean, look, there comes a time sometimes where you talk to a player through the media, right? That happens where you say something directly. Um, I think that'd be a good way to operate. Like if you're going to leak something, quote unquote, about Brennan, you just say it, just say it, like talk to him through the media. Yeah. He knows uh, I, I don't, don't want to say practice. it's probably not the right thing, like to quote unquote, embarrass him, but to, yeah, to basically to put it out there. Hey, the reason he's not playing is because of him. So you guys got a problem with it. Go talk to Brandon. When you don't see him on the field, it's because of Brandon. But I, I have a hard time crushing uh, a coach or a GM for not leaking any something about their player. I'm not crushing them for that. I'm not crushing them at all. I'm just saying it's a risky proposition when you play this tough guy, Parcells, Belichick, and then you don't win. Like they've lost three straight games. Last year they it's went. It's risky for them. I, that's 10. what I'm saying. I give them credit because yeah. they are taking the heat for it. Like Kyle yeah. Shanahan's taking the heat for it. That's my point. It's, it's, all, yeah. it's very risky for them to operate like this. You know, they, they are operating like they – have a lot more equity with the consumer than I think that as we're seeing that they, they do. <laughs> right. You know, Belichick, cause I would right. say and, he, and I, Belichick consistently did this. Let's just say this Welker, who's butted head with Belichick. Maybe, it, maybe well, Welker's a hard guy to play for, right? He has high standards. He was the ultimate grinder, right? One thing you would say about Welker's career is all those years when he was with Tom and then even transitioned to Brady and he was catching 110 balls no one, I'm sure, that would ever spend any time around Welker would call him, like, didn't maximize every ounce of talent in that little body. Didn't, like, he became this great, productive, you know, consistent pro bowler, but it was, like, all heart, grit, work ethic, drive, determination. Like, he maximized everything. He he operated like Peyton and Tom, right? Like, in a little wide receiver's body. And maybe it's hard to, like, we because we know Kyle thinks like that. We know John Lynch, the player, and as a human being, that's how he lives his life. And then you could probably go, I don't know what Welker's like as a coach in terms of just day-to-day in the meeting, but if he's anything like he was as a player, you would say he's probably a lot like that too. So, like, they have a lot of like-minded football thinkers. Like, 
I know Welker and Belichick butted heads, but would it shock you if he actually is a coach and his football philosophies actually have a lot of parallels with Bill Belichick? It would not shock me at all. But uh, again, I think that um, it's from from where we sit today, I would love for them to tell me something. If I worked in that building for the 49ers, I'd go, I respect that. Like they're taking the heat as they yeah. try to get this guy better. But let's not forget, Herm Edwards, Coach Brandon Ayuk. Don't press in. Don't press in. Very close with John Lynch. So they 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 had they, what Herm's scouting report was on Brad Ayuk. They had it. They knew. But, but by the end of the season, he would have been a Niner as long as he was a Sun Devil, right? He was yeah, only Herm, there a couple years. No doubt. But Herm told him. Herm knows him. Herm knows him. I Herm, you know. So I would think they had some feel for what they were getting, maybe even a little better than most teams do. And we saw him produce last year, although, you know, it was a weird year. Like you could probably, he was hurt. You could get away maybe with 80% in practice because you'd been hurt and whatever. And I, I think he got a lot of credit though. A lot of people, including myself and you and just people that watched him play and then go into practice. I think I wouldn't say anointed him, but kind of. <laughs> and, and, and most coaches will tell you this. And I think most humans, you know, would fall under this category. It really is easier to handle a struggle, right? It's easier to be broke and try to make it. It's easier to be the guy hunting than the one hunted. And a lot of it's players, easier to be hungry for sure in those spots. Yeah, and it's and it's a lot of times it's it's harder once you view yourself. And I, I don't know. I'm just I'm complete educated guess here. No, I mean no educated guess. Just from the outside, I guess. And these guys talk a guess that I just wonder if maybe start feeling himself a little bit and start acting like they don't because their core players, Trent Williams. Kittle, Fred Warner, even Nick Bosa now, like they don't really, and those guys are elite and pro bowlers and super rich. They don't really act like that. So I just, that is not one theme in Kyle's career is that shit. The moment you start kind of, and you're not Julio Jones or something or Trent Williams, it ain't going to fly. And, but, but here goes back to my ultimate, the, just the, the elephant in the room is like, you can operate like that. And I'm with you. It's a respectable thing to do because you have to have standards. As Aaron Tippin said, you got to stand for something. But or your fault for anything. Line, it's a bottom line business and you do have to win. And when your offense is struggling and you score, I know, but you know, you're struggling to score points, you need this dynamic receiver. So you have to find a way to like, okay, you're just, he's going to learn a tough lesson where you got it. Can you meet him in the middle? Can you help him out? Is, is this going to be a bust because his personality doesn't mess with you? What's going to happen here? It's also, if this is what the situation is, player leadership is important too. He's got one of the best receivers in the NFL is his teammate. One of the best tight ends in the NFL is his teammate. Trent Williams, young, one of the best left back. Yeah. I, I understand. I, but I'd like to put on Debo. No, I'm not putting it all on. You're saying Debo's young. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm just saying there's multiple players yeah, on that team that are like one of the best players at their position in the league or just one of the best players in the league period you could just go back to what the name i brought up i mean his position coach is wes welker <laughs> right it's not like yeah. this guy haberman they landed from uh he was working his way up in the mountain west right i mean they got a pretty established wide receiver coach who as a player right who's seen them all played with them all think of the guys he's played with right hey Ayuk. when randy mosh used to do this hey Ayuk. <laughs> you know, when Peyton Manning used to tell me this, right? I mean, it's, he's, I don't know if he can get much more credible than having Wes Welker just talk to you about football and what's expected to be a great player. Cause even as a younger player, like, you know, once he just names the people he played with, even if you're not super locked into the national football league as a 22 year old player, like growing up, 
Like it's it'd be pretty clear this guy knows what he's doing. And shit, you just Google like how many balls you catch that year? Oh yeah, I caught a hundred balls four straight years. Hundred. Oh, back when that yeah they decapitated me concussions. Uh, Belgium, yeah. we didn't. He'd throw a smelling salt at my. But face I think sometimes you know, like still, I think guys aren't googling. Sometimes it's just like you need somebody who's out there with you. No, I get know, but I'm, I'm saying his his position coach is pretty well established as a football guy at that position too. It's um, getting the most out of guys is the part of the job we don't really talk about. I said to a buddy of mine who works in baseball yesterday, I'm like, what does Kapler do? Like, does he make any decisions during a game? And he goes, and he's not been like a big, like, oh yeah, Kapler's the man. Like, that's not his thing. But he's like, uh, he manages people, first of all. It's like, I, I do think I probably, like, from a baseball standpoint, we gave Bochi all this credit for managing people, man. But that is a huge managing people is part of this too. Getting the most out of people. Um, I could I coach Debo Samuel? Maybe I don't know. Maybe they have gotten the most out of Debo. But you know, like George Kittle, I, I doesn't you don't need to tell George Kittle anything, right? In terms of like self motivation, Th- those are outliers though. Even at the highest, right, level. right, right. But I'm that's the point. Exactly right. They are outliers. Exactly. So that's part of the job too. Like if a player is not performing, you drafted him in the first round. So help. This is part of the yeah. deal is help them. And and that's where I go back to, I want to know, I wish they would say something, but I do, I, I can't fully, I just, I get that the best way to help somebody might be to not air whatever their issue is publicly. And I'm not asking them to do that, but you can only go in this cloak and dagger kind of like, you know, giving us 10% of the thing and then it right. not working out for people not to start freaking out because yeah. they are freaked out. Yeah. And again, it's, we see him. It's not like he's not playing. He's playing and he's making some plays. I know. So yeah, it's, uh, they need him. They, do. they need him more than twice a game. Okay. John, go to wineaccess.com slash ham. Wineaccess.com slash ham wineaccess.com slash ham. It's very easy. You just type it in. Hell, I just did it. Bam. There it is. Bam, bam. The barrier to the world's best wine isn't price. It's access. And you have the access at wineaccess.com slash ham. My college roommate, Aaron Warshawski, just had a baby. Mm. Congratulations, right, Aaron and Marisa. I, uh, I got him a bunch of bottles of wine. I sent them to him. And he's like, damn, where'd you get, you know, and I'm like, wineaccess.com slash ham. The price points are incredible. To make it onto Wine Access to the website, only one in 18 make it. So only the best of the best. So even if you're buying a $30 bottle of wine, it's the best of the best. If you're buying a $60 bottle of wine. Here's the other thing. When I was looking, you would find a bottle of wine, like a Pinot, that was $50, but it would normally be like 90 So you can find a bottle of wine. See those cuts? You know, mm-hmm. boom, you're saving money on expensive wine. So you feel like, damn, I just bought a $50 bottle of wine, but I actually view this bottle of wine like an $80 bottle of wine. How do you beat that guy? You don't. Wineaccess.com slash ham. You buy $150 worth of wine. You use our URL. You get $50 off your first order. And a little trick of the trade, order six bottles, free shipping. And these times with uh, the supply chain, you see all these, uh, the boats backed up right there out there in in the port guy, Port of Oakland. Long Beach, you see some of those pictures in Long Beach? Everyone's in line. We got some issues. 24 hours a day, they're going to be working in L.A., John, to get those boats (laughs) unloaded. So the supply chain, no issues so far with the Wine Access supply chain. Wineaccess.com slash ham. Keep it flowing, literally flowing, John. Wineaccess.com slash ham. Here's one. The uh, Highlands Cab. 
on uh, the website. 2019, normally 80, 85, what that says? It's 40 bucks. Uh, wineaccess.com slash ham and uh, great options. You can search, you can uh, shop by variety, by types. You can go red or, or you can go variety, which is like, you know, Merlots or Zins or Pinots. You can go by country, you can go by region. Uh, American made wine, John. Uh, no, it's all there from all over the world. It's fantastic. It's the best of the best. Comes right to your door. $50 off. $50 off an order of 150 or more at wineaccess.com slash yam. Podcast also brought to you by decked.com slash yam. Protect your tools and your gear with the toughest, most durable, secure, and weatherproof truck bed storage solution on the market. Yep. Like uh, like our old friends at Wine Access, America, baby. 100% American made, uh, made in the USA. I mean, the American bottles at Wine Access. The American bottles at Wine Access. <laughs> Lifetime, no hassle warranty, second to none customer service. We know we've talked to them. The deck drawer system, keep your gear secure. If you got like four wheelers, you know, you're going out there just kind of driving around, up to 2,000 pound payload, pop something on top of that. Don't have to worry about it. Also, when you're when the bed of your truck is locked, impossible to steal. It's impossible to get in there. They have no access. Zero access, guy. Everything is secure. So you put that, the picture he's showing if you're watching on YouTube, you press those drawers in, you lock the cab, everything's safe. And if you're going to tailgate, you know, you just throw a couple cervezas in there, throw a bottle of Tito's in there, boom, you put some ice in there, you pull that bad boy out, you will be the life of the party. Decked.com slash ham deck.com slash ham for the deck drawer system fits every full-size truck and cargo van made since the mid 90s every mid-size truck since around 2005 they've got well over 7,000 reviews 4.89 is the rating that is actually a hair better than haberman and middlecoff are on mm -hmm. itunes um they got it all and like john said you could do the non-traditional retrofit with electronics fill it with ice don't do those two things at the same time, the electronics and the ice in the same bin, but uh, do both and, and make it popular for uh, for your tailgating. They got an auto engineer from the uh, big three auto auto companies and uh, they went to work made in America. And if you're hunting, if you're fishing, you're in the trades, construction, perfect work product. Go check it out right now. Decked.com slash ham. Sounds like a Luke Bryan song. Hunting, fishing. <laughs> if you're in the trades. <laughs> uh, Derek Carr should be reevaluating his future right now, John. He once said he wants to play for the Raiders for life. Why should he still feel that way? How could he still feel that way? He didn't After just say he wanted to play the Raiders for life. He said he would quit football if before he played for another team. I, uh, I watched his press conference yesterday. He was in tears. And I, I think the tears were just, it was an emotional couple days. I mean, the guy wasn't only the neighbor of John Gruden. Spent years trying to earn the guy's trust, and clearly had. And was playing some of the best football of his career. And then for this to happen, like, I think he starts evaluating. And, you know, we're going to get a new coach at the end of the season. I'm coming up on a contract year. Do these, are these guys even going to want me? Uh, you know, it, it, is the chaotic situation that is this organization that every single turn of my career, and listen, you, you always say like there's a price of admission to most jobs, and especially high-level jobs where you're paid a lot of money. Like if you're Justin Herbert or you're Tom Brady or you're Jalen Hurts, like there are certain things mandated of you, right? Your character, you're just going to be the face of the organization once you become the starter, so you got to act the right way. Then there's just basic parts like you talk more than any other player because you have to talk during the week and you have to talk after the game. So you speak for the organization. 
you're always going to be the most famous guy on the team for the most part, unless you have like a JJ Watt on your team. And even then, like, I'm sorry, Kyler's a bigger deal than JJ right now. And even Deshaun surpassed him, right? The quarterback position is a powerful position. I don't think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, like the Raiders didn't just move. They went through a move where they were denied in LA, their owners constantly being made fun of for being broke. And then they finally moved, but they didn't actually leave for a couple years. Their owner never says a fucking word because he hides like it's the plague. And it's always Derek, who they are very, very lucky that Derek, who and I was also I, I I was thinking about this last night, all the chaos of the Raiders, he never has anything to do with, right? Never. All the craziest ever, ever. He, if anything, he has been a sense and brought a stability of normalcy to probably the most chaotic franchise, you know, in the league by a mile. Uh, because even like the Browns didn't, you know, I, I mean, they moved 20 years ago, but I'm just saying like they lost a lot. The Lions lost a lot, but this team moved, but they moved and then they stayed, right? They didn't go right away. It's just, it's just chaos. And then this was icing on the cake, like, you know, uh, dilutes what just happened. And I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just saying like, this is just par for the course, what he's used to. Like, it's just constant, just insanity. It's insanity what he has to answer for again that he doesn't have anything to do with yet. They always like he speaks for the organization and, and here's the other thing just knowing him for a long time and just knowing the way he thinks like he is really loyal. Like he's not, I don't think he wasn't being cheesy when he says that he really wants to be part of something. Like he's very prideful, like in Fresno state, like that family takes a lot of pride in that. Like it's a big deal to them. It was a big deal playing for the Raiders and being the quarterback for the Raiders. And I just think the Raiders, Listen, has he been perfect as a player over the time? Of course not. But I would say they let him down over his tenure infinitely more than he ever let them down. And I, if, if he if he asked me for advice, which he wouldn't, but if he did, I would advise him at the end of the season, we were getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, we both go way back with Derek. I haven't talked to him probably since we saw him in Napa last uh, several years ago, back when we were doing radio. But I knew him pretty well when he was in college. I covered him. You were you were on the staff when he got there, and uh, to Fresno State. And I really liked him. And I think he is one thing. When I'm talking to somebody, you probably do the same thing. Most people do this when someone's like, "Oh yeah, I read, I saw, I I, uh, I I met, or I know, or I've been around somebody famous or interesting, whatever." One of the first questions, it doesn't have to be famous. If you're just working with somebody in an industry that I know that it comes up a lot that way. We're like, Oh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah. I work with him. What's his deal. Good guy. That's usually my question. What's, what's the, what's her good person. Like easy to work with diva, right? Is he a diva? Is he cool? Is he humble? Is it what, just good guy? Haberman's got some diva qualities. That's always what I ask. I've got some standards, John, some requirements, but like Derek on the most, like just a good fucking dude. And there's a lot of good people out there. Not all of them are good enough to be starting court franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. And I've never asked, I'd never asked him this, but um, you know, he grew up, his brother was his hero and his brother was the number one pick in the NFL draft and a starting quarterback in the NFL. And from a really young age, he was around it and that's what he wanted. And he fucking achieved it. <laughs> his brother did it. He saw it. He's like, I want to do that. And then he did it. He got a franchise of his own. Wouldn't you say he up David to it every? And it, he was the, he was the better college player. Well, I mean, he was the number one overall pick. David, was a, 
Yeah. He bypassed him in the pros by a mile. Uh, uh, unlike Dave, Derek solidified a home. This is my franchise. What was supposed to happen with Dave in Houston? This is my franchise, like mine. I'm the franchise quarterback. It's me. And they've done an awful job of supporting him, like a terrible job of supporting him. They haven't supported him, really. I mean, they've said stuff, but it's not the best place to be if you're well, a they, franchise yeah, quarterback. I mean, they, they, they didn't just trade his best friend on the team several years ago. He's one of the best players in the league at the time in Khalil Mack, right? I mean, those those two were like the cornerstones of the organization. Right, which has nothing to do with trading one of the highest paid receivers in the league. Yeah, which, well, listen, th- those two might have had a little bit of a falling out, like whatever, they they were going to adapt. Like, you can find, I, I, I'll hear you on this, you can find receivers much easily, easier than you could ever find a Khalil Mack, and clearly they haven't found a Khalil Mack. Right. Before, now, and then it started, but here's the thing, John. And then it was they started bad, getting it together. Bad. Yeah. It was working. It was working, kind of. It was getting better on offense. So when the when the Rodgers rumors came up, I said, if I'm Derek Carr, I would root for the Packers. I, w- I want that to happen. I'd want to go to Green Bay. Easy for me to say from this seat, he's got a home. He's got a family. He's got a, a community. He's got a fan base. He's got a logo. Like, I want to be this for the rest, just like I'm a bulldog forever. I don't, he doesn't change. He didn't change colleges. He was a Fresno State bulldog. He's a Raider. But his contract's up after 2022. So he's got one more year on his contract. Now, as we know, you could tag him, I guess, right? But I'm with you. I I think countless teams, countless teams would line up to trade you. Hey, I'll give you pick 20 for Derek or, you know, 15 or who knows at the end of the season and then immediately give him, you know, $130 million, right? Here's if I were Derek. And I'm not saying this is what good organizations necessarily do, but it's what I would do if I were him. Like I would be very aware, maybe even to the point that I'm involved with who the next head coach of the team is. I would not, if I'm the owner, ask a player necessarily who I should hire. I don't think that's good. But if I were a player with leverage, wondering if I want to be here forever, I'd want to know what's up. And I think they have a, a turning point of their franchise right now. Well, who do they hire to well, be their head get, coach? Which we'll, we'll get Ma- to. They, they talked to Mayock about that. And in fairness, like they are three and two. They win this week. They're four and two with a win over them. There is a lot. Like John, they but, had a coach on a ten-year contract just lose his job. I I, I know. I, I it, it it would be stunning if they made the playoffs this year, right? Stunning given what happened. They lost their head coach, who was their offensive play caller. Monday night football. He was fired in the middle of Monday night football. Oh, uh, week 17? No. Going into week six, he had six and a half years left on his contract. He did not make it to Tuesday of week six. He's also the offense With a winning record. Yeah, he was three and two. Not 0 and six. Two weeks ago, guy was three and oh. I mean, someone texted me this, like put it into perspective. He's like, think about this. Ten days ago, they were three and oh, and Gruden was... I wouldn't say quite toast of the league, but they were definitely one of the one of the shining kind of stars of just wow. No, no they one were, saw this coming. They were one of the absolute stories of the league. But here's what I think Derek's going to do. I think Derek's going to try and resurrect the Raiders franchise. I I, I think it'll just be a little. It was twofold. Does Mayock believe in him? Because he was a Gruden guy. Well, is Mayock like, is Mayock hiring the head coach? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of variables. If he is like that, that to me, what's their relationship? Who is the next head coach? Is an offensive guy, 
uh, do you win this year? Do they go eight and nine and they just go? Because I know this, I'll, the Eagles would take them. They got, you know, but then the Raiders just completely blow it up again. Did you see Bill well, in, Barnwell? John in a new stadium, new fan base? Like that's not did the you, time you usually do that. Did you click on Bill Barnwell's article today? No. He did like a retrospective of the Gruden era. Every move. Oh my it god. It was ugly. Draft, free agency, trades. Basically ended it with an unmitigated disaster of his tenure. You know, it felt like, like you said, two weeks ago they were on the right track. But in many ways they're in they got a new stadium. They got a new home. In many ways, they're worse off than they were when he got them. Like Jack Del Rio, who shared his thoughts, ripped Gruden. Left, probably left more. Like I don't know. I I don't know if the job's more more attractive then than it is now. I don't think I'd say that because I think there are some pretty attractive parts of the I job. I think that I think the trio of Khalil, Amari, and Derek was very, and they had a it good. Was. They had Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson. Like they had some core pieces. One thing Barnwell wrote is like. This is one of the worst cores in the league. Like, who's the, what's their core? I mean, Derek Waller. Waller. Like Crosby's a good player, but he's not yeah. like a pro bowler. Jacobs. Colton he's Miller. He's hurt a lot. He can't catch. He doesn't. They don't throw him the ball. Max Crosby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not. It's got some holes, right? Because the holes, and it's not totally aligned, like, age-wise. I know. So, okay, let's talk about who should be the Raiders' next coach, or at least what that list should look like. And again, this list varies depending on who's in charge of the team, but there's a million names out there. People in the stream. Uh, I'm getting DMS. Like, what about Joe Brady? You mentioned Doug Peterson the other day when we were talking, uh, I think, you know, if we go by Mark Davis's MO in recent history, his MO, we don't have a long history of him, but he goes with people. He knows his circle's not very big. I would imagine he has some knowledge of David Shaw, some relationship. Stanford's not exactly rolling right now. And I, I, I don't know if I'm David, uh, even though his NFL stock is not as high as it's always as it's been in the past. I don't know that this is the job I would leave for. And I wonder if David would want to leave Stanford at a time when they're struggling. Um, but we, I mean, Sean McVay's whoever, nanny, Jack Del Rio, come back round two. Well, I, th- I think the number one question you have to ask and is who's making is Mark Davis. If he keeps Mayock, then I think that brings into a small list of people. If he fires Mayock, then I think a lot's on the table. Do they hire, try to hire a football czar and let him make the pick? Because if they wanted David Shaw, he's picking the GM. If they wanted to get, you know, Joe Brady, Joe Brady might have options, right? To me, Mayock said yesterday... When I and listen, I, I would put Mayock yesterday, even as the general manager, you don't sign up for that. What you just had to experience yesterday, like I, I would say, most places if that happened. So Mayock right. spoke, Carr spoke, Darren Waller spoke, and Crosby Got spoke. Got it. Yeah, my, and which one of those four is the owner? Uh, <laughs> I don't think any of them have any uh, equity Come on, in, the, in the franchise. Man. So Mayock said that he called Rich. Piscaccia. Piscaccia. It's a tough name to say. He he like uh I watched him talk a little bit too. He said, Mayock said that he has been he's known this guy for 30 plus years. And he has said he is he has recommended him to a handful over the years of general managers and athletic directors that he's met in his previous job. And he called him yesterday. And I get like heat of the moment, you're trying to say the right things, but I don't think he's making this up. 
he called him the best leader of men he's ever been around. Like the way he talked, and again, it's, in that situation, you're probably going to go a little hyperbolic to just really sell the situation. But also, like I've heard Mike talk, like when he goes kind of adamant, like he's known this guy for a while, and this guy's well thought of. He's worked for a lot of different people. Is that would Mike? What if this goes well? Like, what if they went ten and seven and made the playoffs? Could you just keep these two like another year? You John, know? if he went ten and seven and made the playoffs, he would get the job. Rich, I would think so. And Mayock State. Mark, just I don't it. think Mark, and I don't blame him to a degree. He doesn't want to do a coaching search and like sign somebody to a six-year, $60 million contract. No. Well, that's what Joe Brady, even if you got Joe Brady, he's still costing five years, you know, $45 million. John, at minimum, you're bidding against LSU. (laughs) Forget about other NFL teams. 100%. He'd have what Brian Dayball is going to have several options, right? At the OC at Buffalo. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley, he might not even take your phone call. David Shaw has a job that pays him. What's David Shaw make at Stanford? Six, seven Nobody million dollars and everything's yeah. free. Yeah. So it's like he's he's well compensated. It is. It's not a position given what they just had to do to get John. I, you're right. I, I think in a perfect world, Mark Davis would sell his soul. if the, You just make the make the seventh wild card and we'll just bring everybody back. Right. But to that, if you're Derek, like, well, do you want to? Is that what you want? Like, do you feel comfortable in this? You know, is that what you want? I I think he wants to be the he wants to be the guy that takes the Raiders back to greatness. Well, there is a pressure. To me, what's going to be fascinating is that I guess Jack was a defensive coach, and really the first defense because Al Davis was notorious for only hiring offensive coaches, right? Because he was an offensive guy at Hardy, was big on offense. I guess he, no, he was a defensive guy, so he always wanted an offensive guy is that if you're going to hire, you know, losing Gruden is a pretty big hole. Like Olsen, the offensive coordinator, last time he called play was 2014 for the Raiders and it didn't go that well. Now, granted, that was Derek's rookie year, but just what happens here. So let's say they're productive, but the offense gets thrown off a little bit. Like there are just so many variables here. I don't know. Like I, I, I think it's a you know desirable job in theory if Derek was like under contract long term, but he's clearly not. And who knows? Like, is there some toxicity with this place? Is the team a little overrated? Every single guy, every single guy on this roster, every single one, handpicked by John Gruden. Every single one. There is not one player on this roster that can't be said for Mike Mayock. There are players on this roster. All you have to see is like Paul Gutierrez tweeted yesterday. Before it was 51 49 Gruden. So you mean he got to make every choice on every single player? Yeah. Now it's 51 49 Mayock. So I yeah, now it. he gets to pick the roster, which is, you know, I get what they're trying to do, but come on, guys. Like the Haberman Middlecoff podcast is 50 50, right? When something is 51 49, isn't that the same thing? This isn't, they're not on a revenue split. It's not like, well, you know, $100,000, Gruden got 51 and Mike got 49. That's not how it works. Those percentages only matter when it comes to money. Well, their money was fixed. The, picking the fucking draft, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the 51, so I want this guy. You don't get that. Like, it's not that complicated, right? So now, Mike, there are going to be players, and Mike has hammered this home. Like, we were a coach-run organization. He's not going to like some of these players. What was the first thing that Chip did when he forced Howie out and then flip-flopped when Howie came back? Got rid of some of Chip's guys. It's just, it's human nature. Gruden did the same thing. Why Kiko Alonso was like 
traded six times or something? I, I think this is a very, very complicated situation with an owner who's very over his head. And the more I've thought about it, I don't know if it's as desirable as I originally did a couple days ago. John, I think the fact that Mark Davis, this alone, did not speak in one of the most necessary times for a leader to speak is a red flag for whoever they hire next as their head coach. Jerry Jones spoke. Jerry Jones did an interview, was asked about it. He's the owner of the Cowboys. (laughs) If ever there was a time to have a moment, that was it. Now, if I were in charge of PR, I'm not conv- I'm not sure I would have recommended Mark speak either, especially if you weren't – you might be pissed and say something he shouldn't say or that you wouldn't want him to say. Well, Sometimes he, he's, it is better he's, to he's say He's clearly nothing. mad. He's clearly mad because he told Gutierrez, ask the NFL. He's pissed. Yeah, I mean, Jason Cole tweeted, there are people around Mark Davis that think the NFL is trying to take the team from him and have told him that. You and I have been talking about this for years that the NFL would love to find a way to take the team from him, which is in some weird way why I kind of root for him to make it work. Cause it's like, he's guys like him. Don't get NFL teams, right? Most of these guys have millions of dollars from a million other places. Yeah. So in some ways I'm rooting for the rebel. Wait, you don't think many, even the kids, the the Clark hunts and the Jonathan crafts would Chico state. Uh, No. And I think Jonathan's (laughs) probably in charge of this, some soccer uh, initiative or something. I'd imagine Parag has more on his plate than Mark. Yes. Managing different financial businesses. Yes. Yes. So uh, that would be, that would be a red flag to me. Like what is a red flag? Mark Davis is the biggest, one of the biggest red flags in the league. Now it's a, it's an opportunity to take advantage, which I don't necessarily want to be in a business situation where I'm taking advantage of somebody because I want it to be a team that works if I'm a head coach. So yeah, I can get a big, I can get a 10 year, I can get a 10 year contract. Would you call that taking advantage of the situation or would you call that just supply and demand? I don't, we could debate that, but that's what happened the last time they hired a coach. If you offer me a 10 year, hundred million dollar contract, John, I'd take it. But am I, I, I read Florio had a post today that there are rumors and people that thought that the true guarantees of the contract were a little like it's, it was almost like an NFL player contract. It was a hundred million dollar contract, but the last four or five years where they truly guaranteed where their incentive base, you know, I, I, I think that's up for debate. It's a hard part. No one truly knows, but you know, clearly everyone around the league thought we're pretty confident. John Gruden was pretty safe for a long period of time. If emails didn't come up. Right. Yeah. No one was putting him on. Like, he wasn't getting fired if they went won seven games this year. No. And it felt like there was, unless the relationship changed, it was going to take a lot for him to get fired. Do you think, I see a little research here while we're talking, because a few people have mentioned uh, Kellen Moore. Has a coach, has a player ever been coached by another, sorry, let me, has a player ever had a head coach who he beat in college in a game when that coach was a player? Like Derek Carr did Kellen Moore in 2011, Fresno State, Boise State. Derek Carr beat Kellen Moore. Uh, Fresno State. Yeah, the box score on that. I'm sorry. Oh, the box score was, I misread it. <laughs> I should have known when it said 57 to 7, who won? I don't think Derek ever beat Kellen Moore. Well, no, he only played him once, and it was uh, 57 to, he was a redshirt freshman. The Boise State Broncos scored 57 points. That's right, John. They were high <laughs> stepping into the end zone to make it 49 to nothing at this highlight reel I'm watching. 
in the third quarter. Yeah. So they let up. When uh, my first year. But the question stands, has a guy ever <laughs> played against a guy in college and then been coached by him in the NFL? No. I love Coach Hill, but the, the Broncos had some serious ownage over Coach Hill dogs, right? There weren't many wins. Well, I don't think it was still DeRuder they got him. Uh, no, they got him with Paul Williams. They got him at home. Uh, it was like 10-7, or I mean, it was some low-scoring game. Paul Williams had the only touchdown down the sideline. Is that a Hawkins or a Peterson team? Might have been Peterson's first year. I think year. it was a Peterson team. Okay. I could be wrong, but... Tough tough team to beat. It's not. No, there's no fault in losing Alabama, right? Apologize for no wins, John. Who I don't care who was coaching the game. <laughs> no, no. They might have had some injuries, but whatever. Any other... Uh, what, Doug Peterson, what, what would you say to that? That was your idea. Uh, I, mean, I, I think 100% he would be just to bring some stability of a guy who's been in a crazy fucking market in a crazy time. Who did he take? I mean, he replaced Chip Kelly, right? It was a pretty mm-hmm. chaotic time. And Doug, Doug's a pretty even keel. Like, even when it started getting weird in Philly, for the most part, I think Doug's didn't never lost it. Or I mean, there were a couple times when, remember the one guy snuck in, the one fan, and asked him a question, and they got... Doug was like, who's that guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they removed him. It was a fan that snuck into the press conference. That was pretty funny. That was he, good. He, but for a guy who's only been a head coach for five years, and he did accomplish a lot, obviously winning the Super Bowl and winning another playoff game, I just mean his temperament and just being able to ha- handle a tough situation. He's He'd be as quipped as any, right? Backup quarterback for 15-plus years. He's the type guy, like... I think they would get credit for hiring him. And if you're if you're Derek, then to me that okay, now we're I would take some time to if Doug wants to work with you, that to me could save Derek's career in terms of like not asking for a trade or whatever. Yeah. If you told me that like I Look, could see the Raiders I could see need, Derek and Doug getting along, I guess. The Raiders think. need Derek Carr more than Derek Carr needs the Raiders. That's what well, we're trying to say here. I had someone DM me and you know it's a big Raider fan and it was like, I don't think people realize that if this ends poorly this year, let's say they kind of just stumble, right? Which is very conceivable and understandable. It just kind of falls apart and they go like, you know, they have enough talent. Maybe they go like seven and 10, but it just, they lose some games that maybe they would have won if this never happens. And Derek is just not on the team next year. The likelihood that it's someone way shittier than him is extremely high. 95%. (laughs) What? could you argue like 98.8%? Well, I'd be like, wait a second, Aaron, just to be clear, this is on your list? Russ, yeah, this well, is no, your to, list? Yeah, to me, they ain't showing up. It's it's more likely that it's, you know, Peterman or Mariota's like a bridge quarterback to use some of their picks to draft a guy the following year, right, to just kind of start over. And Derek's in who knows where, Philly, or if I'm him, I would, not, I would refuse to go to the football team. I ain't going there either. Or I ain't Houston. leaving the Raiders to go to the football team. Even right, with or Houston, can't, can't not going it. to Houston. No, no, well, yeah, can't go to Houston. Especially my brother's been there. No, Miami. That to I me, prefer West Coast warm. Yeah, but I could see Miami, Flores. What about what about Philly? You know, everyone. Uh, yeah. We sure Tennessee's set a quarterback. We sure about that. Yeah, I mean, what if I I'd go Vrabel, John Robinson, Indy, Spencer, Matt in the stream says Spencer Rattler in the seventh round. Someone was like, I, I, I just saw the pro football headline. Someone got a hold of the Rattler's dad, and his dad was like, we have not decided whether we're going to transfer John, or go not pro. someone got in, in char- a hold of his dad. Who did? A kid with the binoculars from the public from the building got a hold of his dad. 
Oh, that was the kid that got a hold of him? His, he quoted Spencer Rattler's dad in the story that also included his... If I if I knew the Kennedy assassination well enough, I'd say the library the, annex or whatever. Yeah, that. it's it's the hill, the the grassy yeah. knoll. Yeah, but there was like a building involved. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I thought I just read the headline. All I'd read was the headline that you retweeted. I thought it said the guy talked to Spencer Rattler's dad, which wouldn't shock me. I mean, that kid, that, I mean, that kid's like the Bob Woodward sports. I mean, he just you cannot be denied. I a lot of people were sarcastically saying it. I'm betting on that kid. Like, yeah, how absolutely. is that kid gonna fail? He said, well. This is a huge story. The Oklahoma football might as well be the New England Patriots in Norman, Oklahoma. I need to know who's taking first team refs. He climbs and it's Caleb and it's Spencer's taking second. You know then to get the dad who clearly wants to talk. And uh, yeah, hey, Mr. Rattler, as just an unbiased guy who would, I hope your kid is successful, do not go pro. That. Would you agree that that would be by far one of the dumbest decisions in like that? Just you're asking for a career to end. No, not good. That would not be good. No, that would not be good. Uh, John, let's tell the people about rexmd.com slash ham. We got some, uh, our locks coming up, but before we get to that, rexmd.com slash ham, rexmd.com slash ham. Listen, guys, we, we all go through issues. You don't have to tell a soul. It's all online. Brief survey. Uh, if appropriate, you can try a starter pack, generic Viagra. You know the great part about drugs is after like seven or eight years, patent expires, and then you can get G- Viagra for cheap. They used to charge you a lot. I remember a Propecia, longer, and then yeah. it goes, the patent ends, boom, it's cheap. Uh, there's no copay, there's no doctor office visits, and your shipping is always free. If you're looking for generic Viagra, RexMD has made the process fast, easy, and most importantly, affordable. So don't wait another minute. RexMD is now offering a starter pack of generic Viagra for new customers. Visit RexMD.com slash ham right now to get started. Rex, R-E-X-M-D.com slash ham. FDA approved generic Viagra starting at just $2 per tablet delivered discreetly to your door. RexMD.com slash ham. That's R-E-X-M-D.com slash ham. ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, 
Only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, John, let's get to our lock of the week. We normally do it at the beginning of the podcast. We're doing it at the, uh, the other end of the podcast. We don't know where the podcast ends, but we're doing it now. Lock of the week. This has uh, been difficult for us. We do this every week. We have won three in a row. We pick a game. We put $300 on the game. And uh, we're, we're, what's our situation currently? I, I see three games that I could bet on. We, You and I talked before the game, before the show. We have the two that are the Patriots are hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Foxborough, they're plus three and a half. Then we have the Cleveland Browns who are hosting the Arizona Cardinals. That is minus three. But that the VIG on that, when we talked about this an hour ago, it was minus 120. That is now minus 125. The Patriot game, which was minus 115, or minus 110, is now minus 115. So the VIG... You got to you know to place a bet. There's a thing called the vig, so they're, they're taking a rake no matter what. The other game that I could be convinced, though risky, is you know the Bears are getting five points at home against the Pack Packers. You know now, am I going to bet on Justin Fields? But you know if I am I going to bet on Mac Jones against the Cowboys? They struggle to score. Yeah, I mean th- that bet is more an anti. Cowboy bet, on, bet and bet on it, Belichick, and it felt good to bet. Also, it just it felt good to bet an underdog last couple of weeks, which is what Th- that's we did. why that's why I kind of like the Bears plus five. Look, I like the Browns minus three the best. I also like the Chargers plus points, two and a half points on the road against the Ravens, but I don't hate that. Terrify me right now. Yeah, I mean the the problem with that is even if they're equals, it's like okay. I'm betting LeBron versus Kevin Durant. Like, you can't be like, I'm bet- taking Kevin Durant. You, well, it's like LeBron could win the game, right? 
we're just, are you betting against Lamar Jackson? That makes me a little nervous. East Coast trip, but I'm with you. I, I do like getting points. Uh, I want to I get points. I so that means points. we're eliminating the Browns. Even though I'm kind of with you, I, I do like that game. I just hate the big It's Cardinals. Browns, Cardinals. I didn't say Browns, that. Cardinals. Yeah, Browns, Cardinals. I feel pretty good, you know, Patriots, but it's like, I do I totally trust Mac Jones? Like, I, I could see him throw three picks. I'm they happy to eliminate that game. Okay, you don't you don't want to fuck with that. Well, I like it. I just think the Cowboys yeah, I'm are the, you. you know, that, that I, I think um, all things equal, the Cowboys are much better than the Patriots. Now, it's not the way the game is played, but... About Raiders rallying cry game plus three and a half. Uh, yeah, against the Broncos. The problem with that game is just people are calling play like John Gruden is a good offensive play caller, and now it's Greg Olson versus Vic Fangio. Derek gets to call plays too. Like he's going to play a big role. I'll tell you that would be a fun game to bet on. I don't know if it's the smartest bet, but it'd be fun to take the Raiders plus three and a half. I just boy, I'll take the Chargers. The crazy thing is that I'm with you. The Browns feel like the easiest bet, but it's like, I don't even want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, you tell me what you want to do. I, I could do that. <laughs> Look, I hadn't thought of it as our lock. What I would want to do, the Raiders and the points is like an easy one to root for. Someone in the chat just said the Rams. What's the Rams situation? They're minus. We, we just don't want to take a team that's like big of an under. Oh, it's nine and a half against the Giants. That's right. Though, the one thing about that game old school philosophy betting against a team that's going to win three or four games playoff level team. I mean, the Rams are one of the best teams in the league. I had forgotten about this. I'm like, who'd they play last? Well, they played Thursday night. So they get in a long rest. That probably is just our philosophy. We've bet on that game and had success. Yeah, we, we have, we, it is a big number though. Like we it's, tend it's to, a lar- it's a large number. Now, Daniel Jones, his status a little up in the air. Uh, if you told me Mike Glennon was the quarterback, I, I feel he's gonna. It's gonna be hard pressed for him to play well against the Rams. You could argue but the Raiders. I'm with you. I I, I do want to root for something positive, and it would be cool to see them like Derek win this game. They have better players, and they're getting points. Now they were bad last week with John Gruden pre-controversy against. I, I didn't quite realize this again. I wasn't super focused on the controversy. But like Darren Waller talked about it, like Gruden like addressed the team and they like the players said their piece. Like I, it might have been a bigger issue inside the building than I. I, w- I just wasn't following the story. That gotcha. Well, if that's the case, they didn't rally. No, but but I think a lot of people were kind of like Gruden had didn't to want apologize to play for and gu- and guys asked like, "What's your deal, bro?" It was one of those. Yeah. Uh, you f- it feels to me like you like the Bears plus five the most, which is terrifying. No, but that's a bias. I, I, I could. Oh. I, I do kind of the Raiders plus three and a half. I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Do you think it's going to be a close game? Yeah, I mean, just give yourself a shot. You know, <laughs> we're Teddy going Greg Olson versus, versus Vic Fangio. That's what you're doing right now. <laughs> a first time head coach against Vic Fangio. You want to just go no emotion then and just take the Rams long layoff against the Giants team, who's kind of a, didn't shake one Barkley. He hurt his ankle. He's out. It just feels a little gut, a little knee jerk because we talked about all these games before and we thought that was too many points. I did, but then I started thinking about it. Like I didn't you know, Thursday night game, all the injuries for the Giants. Like there's a reason that line is that big, right? You feel Saquon better Barkley, about that? Did you did you see the picture of his, yeah, his ankle did. after he stepped on the guy's foot? 
probably didn't feel great. Um, I, I, I just, for my own joy, like I kind of want to bet on the Raiders and root for Derek. All right. You good with it? I'll place the bet right. Yeah, here. I feel I feel good about it. Me too. Andre on Andre on the chat says you guys are drifting from the plan. Take the feel good out of the picture. That's what, right. what are we doing here? Are we trying to are we trying to yeah. hug people? We're trying to make money, John. This is a business. I mean, I, I feel like the Rams can even win like thirty five to ten. Okay, let's do it. But I, I would rather bet on the Raiders. I would too. Let's just bet on the Raiders. All right, we're humans. We're betting on the Raiders. Let's bet on the Raiders. Plus three and a half. My book, uh, promo code ham one. The, 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 I don't know if that sounded like a lock to you people, but that's our lock of the week. Yeah, we get a, we get a little squirrely as the season goes on. We do. We, it, it does. It does get more difficult when buys happen. And there's let the slate smaller, right? Slate smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, we had a lot of options. We've had weeks with half as many. We had five options there. Yeah, we had some, we had some options. Uh, I, Urban gonna make it to next week. By the way, they, I heard some. Uh, uh, oh, we mentioned it. Not I heard someone. They're playing in London. They're the London game, right? Uh, yeah, Miami, Jacksonville. How terrible is that game? Why? 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 I don't plan on watching much of that at all. So, anyway, uh, Ray Fossey died, John. I no one knew until recently. I shouldn't say no one knew. Most people didn't know. It was not public until recently. I'd been around the team. You'd been around the team, the A's over the years. Um, I'd never heard anyone even seem like they knew, or at least if they years. did, they didn't know. Sixteen years he had cancer. Sixteen years, seventy-four years old. Uh, for those of you who aren't in the Bay Area or maybe aren't baseball fans, long time. I mean, great player, long time A's broadcaster, and we've each gotten to know him. Over the years, I was doing the A's pre and post game show for a couple of years. You started working at the radio station. You were coming out to games, and uh, he was an awesome guy. I, I the first thing I thought of the first thing I always thought of when I thought of Fossey was he had just the manliest handshake I've ever had shake my hand, and he always felt like it. All, I always felt like he knew he could break my hand and stop just short of it hurting, like just to have fun, not because he was mean. One of my favorite, one of the favorite things I was involved with was with Ray Fossey was uh, uh, several years ago, the A's, the voice of the A's, Ken Korak had a, a knee surgery, I think. And I filled in for the guy that filled in for him, Roxy Bernstein, when he couldn't do it. And so I got to do some games. And on Friday nights, they used to do a thing where the TV crew and the radio crew would do like a post-game wrap-up if it was a home game on a Friday night, they called it the A team. Bum, 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 bum. And they had like a whole thing. And so one of those nights I was filling in that night and it was, so it was Glenn Kuyper and Ray Fossey and Vince Catronio and me, I got to do the A team on TV and it was really cool. And earlier of that year, when you do a baseball game, you keep scoring a scorecard. Vince had kind of showed me how he keeps track of pitches. So you can say like, oh, four straight first pitch strikes or that kind of thing, right? And Ray had always been super cool to me. When I was doing the pregame show, he was always so friendly. The elevator would open. There'd be Ray. Hey, there's guy. Like that. He did that for everybody, everybody. And that night um, I had kept track. And I don't even remember what the stat was, but I said something about somebody and their first pitch strikes. And Ray goes, Ray stops and goes like, how do you know that? Like kind of intimidating. And I'm like, cause I counted. And he goes, 
you counted first pitch strikes? I said, yeah. And he's like staring at me and he goes, all right, man, I'm impressed. Fist pound. And for a young person out of place, like it just meant a lot. It meant a ton to have that guy's approval because he was so friendly to everybody. But, you know, John, he was also intimidating. And um, that was a little moment. Ray made me feel really good. And I, I, I never forgot it. I remember I probably watched the clip of that more than I listened to any of the highlights that I had from calling those games, you know, the first big league games I'd ever done. I watched that clip because it was just such like a, a rite of passage to do something that impressed Ray Fossey. I thought so. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I mean, I've met him countless times going to game stuff, but to me, I just felt like I knew that guy a little bit. Like I said last week with Josh Allen, you just feel like, you know, that guy, like I can't, he felt like so many people, the way I grew up, my dad's friends of people that were, my dad was a little older than Ray Fossey, but guys that were, you know, in their 70s, that old school, there was an old school toughness to him, yet he was the kindest guy in the room. Like, he just defined guys that were born, like, in the late 40s, early 50s, that were, you know, their parents were baby boomer. Like, they were, I mean, they were baby boomers. And it's just, you know, I, 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 I got kind of a I I didn't know him at all really besides you know meeting him and but stuff. But you'd seen him like operate yeah, around yeah, the yeah, field and yeah. stuff. And I, yeah, and I but again I felt like I knew him and yeah. that, that type person. I, I love Northern California. You know I've lived here the majority of my life, and like the Ray Fosses of the world, they are going away. You know like they are they, and the the character of the type of people. You know now listen, it just it feels like we're losing too many Ray Fosses and not replacing them with Ray Fosses. And that just kind of made me like, because it's not just like a tough old school SOB, which he was, but every single person that ever met him said he was the nicest guy in the world, like the high character guys, yet that were like the fabric of the community. Now, he was a famous guy, but I bet if you looked at like the Rolodex of the people that he rolled with, like in the off season, like drank beers with on the front porch where he lived, I bet a lot of normal people yeah. were just the huge influence. And then I also thought, it is somewhat representative. Like when I think Giants first the A's, I close my eyes and I think Ray Fossey, Dwayne Kuyper, Mike Kruger, and Bruce Bochy all sitting around the cage and talking. And Bruce a little younger than those guys, but Dwayne Kuyper's sick. I mean, he missed games this year. Mike Kruko has a debilitating injury that's taken away the muscles. Like those guys, I mean, losing Ray, as someone texted me last night, like, I don't, you know, because I wasn't really watching A's games in the 90s, but like Greg Papa, I bet Greg was like, think how much time those two spent together, right? Calling A's games in the 90s on television. And then he works with Glenn Kuyper, who is Dwayne's brother, who is also, you know, battling something. Uh, they've announced it. I guess he's, you know, he's battling cancer, a, right? A form of, yeah. So it's like, you just realize... It, these guys are not going to be around that long. And the the fabric of just how well, think how many fans that probably never met Ray Fossey or never met Dwayne Kuyper. You feel like these people are part of your life, especially with baseball, right? More than any other sport, the amount of games in the Bay area, like New York and probably like Chicago, uh, like Vin was with LA. It's a big fucking baseball area. And when I say the Bay area, I just mean Northern California, you in Fresno, Sacramento, like baseball is a, a lot of people consume these teams. You know, and consume those guys. You know those guys better than the players because you've sat with them forever. These guys have been there, you know, I mean, part of the team really since you and I were little kids. And, we, you know, we're, we're closer to 40 now than we are 30, especially you now too, guy. You know, you're over that 35 mark. 
us. It's just to me, it was just to when it was said that he had been to me, he that defined like 16 years and not a soul knew publicly. Like that to me, like that, that mm-hmm. our generation, I mean, all of Instagram would know. And again, it, times change and stuff, but that is the type of guy that just America ain't producing anymore. <laughs> We're just not. And it just, that makes me sad. Yep. I mean, of the people you've met in your life, who do you think uh, heaviest punches probably? I always felt like he'd be on the list. Well, he's part of, I mean, Obviously, before you meet him, you know, back when people used to tell old baseball stories, like, and it was a big deal, like on radio and stuff, like, you just knew him as, like, that's the guy that Pete Rose took out in the All Star game. Right. <laughs> right. Took him out. But then you yeah. realize his career, like, he had made All Star games, he had won World Series. You see the stat last night, Dennis Eckersley, I think, was pretty shaken up. Then Dennis Eckersley's no hitter for the Cleveland Indians, one nothing win, the guy that scored the run. Was Fossey? Was Kuiper. Oh, it was Kuiper. Fossey caught the Wait. game. Eckersley pitched. They're all, but they're all on the Indians. Oh, on the Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're on it, the Indians. It. Like 1977. I didn't, I didn't Eckersley's know no Eckersley hitter. was Fossey caught him. Yeah. Dwayne scored Dwayne scored the run. And I was cool. I was texting someone. Someone forwarded me that tweet. And I'm starting thinking the Kuiper family, but Dwayne now has known Ray Fossey way longer than you and I have been alive. Like I, I thought last night, like, can you imagine the Kuiper family last night? Probably th- Felt like they lost one of their brothers. Think how long that family has known the guy. Yep. <laughs> you know? It's just, you see the baseball world, like, the, the you know, the stuff people were putting out. Like, it was a big, like, every single person in the baseball community, definitely over, like, 50, and anyone that played in this on this team, you know, in, you know for the A's. Like, Doolittle and all those guys were tweeting. Like, obviously, but, you spend a lot of time around them. Yeah, baseball's unlike any other sport because of the amount of time you spend hanging out with the other people who are in town for four days, because if you play a series, you don't play just a game, right? Like a football game or a basketball game. And you play, so you play a series and you just are around the bat part of the baseball culture. That's I love is you're just there four hours early and you're just hanging out, right? It's less about the research you Google before the game. And it's more about you just go to the field and you're just talking to people. And then what you talk about is what ends up on the air. Like that's the best stuff. That's why the numbers really matter. The analytics matter. They matter the most because it's what the teams use to make evaluations. So if the teams are using analytics, you have to be talking about them. If the te- if it matters to the teams what a player's exit velocity is, or it matters to the teams what his weighted on base percentage is, then it should matter to everybody because that's how all these decisions are getting made. It's it's if 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 you're not communicating that to fans, then fans are not getting the full picture of what's happening on the screen or on the field or the court. But that's not always the most entertaining stuff. The most entertaining stuff are the stories that Ray Fossey has and the stories that Ray Fossey gets because Ray Fossey is Ray Fossey. And so he goes to the cage and he talks to somebody, oh, and I was talking to so-and-so. And he gets those stories because he'd been around the game his whole life. I mean, he was what the, I think it was the first overall pick in the draft in 1965. He might not have been the first pick, but he was like a top five pick because I remember going to Boston to do a series and there was a big thing in the newspaper about 
that draft that year. He was he was a first round pick. I don't know what exactly. I think he was like top. We never say this in baseball, but he was like a premium top ten type pick. So, and I think the story was that he didn't know he'd been picked till get the newspaper or something like that. It was some story like that. But think about it, John. You've been in baseball since ni- in professional baseball since 1965 until 2021. Th- there is a computer in his head that has stories that I can't find on the computer, and I certainly, you know, if I can find them, can't tell them. You know what year the Pete Rose play happened at the home plate? Seventy seventy two. 1970. 1970. That's 51 years ago. 51 years. Like playing at a high level, right? I mean, he was, that's an all star in 19. Sometimes you just say 1970. That's 51 years ago. Yeah. That's a long time. But, you know, RIP, uh, man. But yeah, my point is like the amount of people that he, of course, the baseball world loved him. He'd been around baseball since, he'd been around batting cages since 1965. And it's not like he'd been on the field pregame at an NFL game. That means every day, 162 or 162 times a year since 1965 as a player, as a broadcaster. And how many people do you talk to when you're on the field for four? John, you and I would go to game. You would go to a game. You'd never met anybody on a baseball field. You talk to five people. It's easy. Yeah. It's, it's easy. It's you just yeah. Josh Donaldson's just standing there putting pints on his bag. You'd be like, Hey man, sweet shoes. He'd be like, yeah, Nike just gave them to me. And then you talk to him for three minutes. <laughs> I know. Daddy, it is, it is so easy to talk to baseball people before a baseball game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's the opposite of football. Or basketball. It's just it, it oh, basketball is pretty easy too, actually. Same baseball's conversation. The, you baseball's the, like, baseball's the easiest. Baseball is so ridiculously easy. Yeah, it's easy. People just be sitting there in a dugout. Just a guy would just be sitting there, like doing nothing, waiting for his waiting for his team to take BP. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what Ray had. And I then you add lot. to it his personality, the amount of people, how many, he had billions of conversations. I know, it's crazy. Sad deal. So that's, and he shared it. He shared it. It's really cool that he was him. Okay. Finish with that today, John. Have a good weekend, everybody. Savor the moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.